Running off to Italy was the surprising decision that led one anxiety-ridden college student to heal from a disordered relationship with food. And today, that student is not only healed from her eating disorder, but she is teaching others how to have fun in the kitchen again. My name is Brittany Braswell, and I'm your food freedom coach. And in today's episode of the Joy-Filled Eater podcast, I'm joined by chef and culinary nutritionist Chris Dovniak. Chris is a classically trained chef with over a decade of experience in the culinary world, but more importantly, she's a busy mom of two with a passion for sharing real food recipes for real families that are really delicious. This conversation is a little different than what you may be used to on the show, because today you're getting a sneak peek inside the Joy-Filled Eater Live. This is my signature coaching program for Christian women who struggle with disordered eating and negative body image who are really ready to cultivate a peaceful and joy-filled relationship with food, their body, and of course, Jesus. Inside this program, I regularly bring in guest experts like Chris to teach and coach on an area of recovery within their field of expertise. And today, you, my friend, are getting to listen in. Chris taught my program participants all about challenging their fear foods by getting in the kitchen and preparing those foods in such a way as to also honor their body with gentle nutrition. So if you love this conversation and you're tired of feeling out of control around food or spending hours on end every day thinking about food or your body, then I want you to hang around with me until the end of this episode so that you too can learn more about how to join the Joy-Filled Eater live community. Now let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome to the Joy-Filled Eater podcast, the show that helps you cultivate a joy-filled relationship with food, your body, and Jesus. My name is Brittany Braswell, and I'm a Christ-centered registered dietitian and eating disorder recovery coach on a mission to help you break free from the bondage of food guilt and body shame so that you can start fueling your physical, mental, and spiritual health all from a place of joy. We'll be spilling the tea on all things diet culture, even in the church. Think of this as your weekly dose of nutrition and body image real talk mixed with biblical encouragement from your Southern bestie. If you love Jesus, are sick of having negative body image, and wish food didn't feel so complicated, then welcome, friend. This show is for you. So grab your coffee, get comfy, and prepare to be challenged. This is the Joyful Eater Podcast. All right. Hey, Chris. Welcome to the Joyful Eater. We are so excited to have you here today. Hi, Brittany. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I know you have tons of knowledge and experience when it comes to being a chef, Um, and you also are someone who is familiar with what it looks like to challenge food fears, Um, food fears in the kitchen. Maybe let's just start off, just, just kick things off by like giving us a little bit of a background about what you do as both a chef and kind of a culinary expert, culinary nutritionist, and maybe just a little bit of your story on on what led you to do what you do now. Yeah, okay, well, I'll try and give you the short version of the story because at this point, I keep counting and I'm like, it's been like, it's like a 15 year (laughs) journey. It's been quite some time, Um, but I'm Chris Dovniak. I am the owner and recipe developer at Healthy Mama Chris. I am a trained chef, but we'll get to that. Um, My culinary journey really started back in high school. So at some point in high school, I decided that I wanted to be a vegetarian. And this was just me being like a 15 year old kid who was like, I wanna save all the animals. And also I'd started learning a little bit about nutrition. And I'm using nutrition in quotations as someone who has a background in nutrition, I started learning about healthy eating. And a lot of this came from body image issues I had had, body image issues that I had grown up with. And I was just kind of at that point in my life where I'd started becoming more aware of, you know, my body and people around me and just looking different than the people around me and feeling like I needed to change that because that's the society we live in. So I decided I wanted to become a vegetarian. And so in my head, part of it was like, save all the animals. And I, if you're a vegetarian for ethical reasons, I think that's wonderful. I'm no longer anymore, just that's my own personal preference, but this was not, I just wanted to explain that that's not the only reason I went vegetarian. Part of it was because I thought that 
it was a kind of an easy gateway to restrict my food. And so I told my parents that I wanted to become a vegetarian and they were supportive, but they were like, well, we don't know what to cook for you. My mom's not much of a cook at all. Her mom's mom was from England and her dad never cooked and my grandfather never cooked. And so she cooked like the most simple bland foods. It was like plain unseasoned steak. It was like, you know, chicken with like the Mrs. Dash no salt seasoning. It was like uh, Brussels sprouts from a bag, green beans from a can, from a frozen bag, sorry, green beans from a can. It was very simple food, not seasoned very well. And so my mom didn't learn how to cook. And so she had no idea what to do with me when I'm like, I want to become a vegetarian. So even though my motives for becoming a vegetarian were kind of from this point of, you know, kind of being a rebellious teenager and also wanting to kind of change my body, sort of, it inadvertently started my interest in cooking. And so I started exploring new cuisines that I had never grown up with. So I grew up with this... English mom and Irish dad. And I also had had a Middle Eastern grandmother. So I learned a little bit of cool food from her when she was alive. But other than that, I didn't have this like robust food knowledge growing up. So I became a vegetarian and I started exploring all of these new restaurants. I learned about Japanese food and I learned about Indian food. And I learned about more Middle Eastern foods that had all these vegetarian options. I really started to explore food and I started to kind of fall in love with food. So at the same time, I also developed an eating disorder because at the time I was actually training for my black belt. I was in martial arts at the time. I did martial arts for over a decade and I was training for my black belt and there was all this like strenuous training going on. And I was told that, you know, I had to be really careful about what I ate. And I started getting comments on my body because it was changing as I was doing all of these extra exercising. It really turned into fuel for this fire of my like interest in nutrition that turned into really, really disordered eating. Um, so I ended up struggling with an eating disorder for about four or five years or so until one day my best friend sat me down and she literally looked me in the eye and she was like, you can either get help or I'll get help for you because you need, this is not okay. You need to, you need to get some help. Um, and I'm so grateful for her for that because at the time we were actually both going to school for nutrition together. And I knew at that point that I, what I was doing wasn't healthy, right? I was very restrictive. I was obsessed with food and fitness in a different way than I was when I first started exploring food and kind of falling in love with the flavors of food. So I went through a treatment program and the end of this treatment program just so happened to coincide with a study abroad program that I had applied for and gotten into actually with this same friend, which was really fun. We both got into this program studying abroad in Italy. And so I went and I spent a summer in the South of Italy. And I, when I tell you, like, I, I feel like my face lights up when I talk about it because the memories were so, and I'm not looking at myself, I'm looking at you. So the <laughs> memories of this time in Italy were just so everything about being there and how beautiful it was, but more than anything, the experience I had with food and with the locals and with watching the locals and how much they enjoyed food and they enjoyed mm -hmm. every meal and how just relaxed they were with food and how I didn't hear a single man or woman talk about food in a negative way. It was all about, this is delicious, that is, um, you know, they were speaking Italian, but this is delicious, that is delicious, <laughs> try this with this. And at the time I was still, I was still technically a vegetarian. I was eating a little bit more fish, but as I was there, I was just so interested in trying everything. I started to like move out of this vegetarian box and I tried pasta carbonara with pancetta and I took mm -hmm. a cooking class while I was there and I started oh, to learn a little man. bit about cooking. And so I just, I fell in love with food like I never had before. And at that point I was in my third year of nutrition school and I left that trip and my entire family, <laughs> Um, like I mentioned, I'd also been interested in, in fitness, right? I'd been interested in um, not sports necessarily, but I had been interested in running and fitness like for years and years. And I came back from that trip and I was like, I'm changing my major. And my family was like, what? Like you love nutrition. Why would you change it? I was like, well, I'm just shifting it. I, I don't want to be a dietitian anymore. And they were like, 
okay, because that was the path that I had been on for a few years. I was like, I want to do sports nutrition and I want to go to culinary school and I want to learn how to teach people how to fuel their bodies and how to eat in a way that's delicious, but also nutritious. And they were like, okay. So right after I come back from Italy, I'll try to keep this brief. Um, I met a boy. <laughs> he happened to be my best friend from high school's roommate. And he also happened to be Canadian. So he was graduating that year. So he graduated from school. And of course, I'm dating this new guy. He's super cool. But he all of a sudden has to move to another country. Um, so what's a 19-year-old girl, 20? What's a 20-year-old girl to do um, but finish up school and follow him to another country? Please don't do this. <laughs> um, but I did, and it worked out. And we're, we're married almost 13 years later. Um, so I needed a reason to move up to Canada to be with this cute guy I'd been dating for like six months. So I applied to culinary <laughs> schools and I decided that I was going to start this path of, and I never did anything with really, I didn't do much with sports nutrition after that. Basically, I just went to culinary school and I started learning more about food and falling in love with food even more and how I could really teach people how to do what I kind of set out to do, nourish their bodies and also eat food that was absolutely delicious. So I went to a classical culinary school, it was a year-long program, and I left culinary school and actually ended up getting an internship at a holistic nutritionist cooking studio. Um, and so I ended up taking a course with her where I learned how to teach cooking classes. So the uh, course fun. that I had taken, it was so, it was so cool. It was like the perfect fit. Um, so the course that I had taken in culinary school was general culinary. And then I took an extra couple of months um, to learn how to become a personal chef. So I started my business as a personal chef. And I did that for about five years, um, as well as started teaching cooking classes at this cooking studio. So I did an internship there. And then I was her kid kitchen manager. And then I started teaching cooking classes. And that was, uh, let's see, like 11 years ago now. And basically, I've been teaching cooking classes on and off ever since. Uh, took a little break, 2020, 2021. Um, but I've been yeah. teaching in-person and online cooking classes ever, ever since. And I got my certification as a health coach. And so um, my business has had lots of iterations over the years. But one of the things that's always remained constant is my love of sharing food that is both nutritious and also really, really delicious. Because I believe that you can have both. Um, and it can be really, really balanced. And I think that my love of food and my love of sharing food has been the best possible thing for my relationship with food. I ended up going through what I now consider a relapse of my eating disorder about six years ago now. Well, let's see, my oldest daughter is five. So actually it was like seven or eight years ago now, time flies. Um, and I, you know, I decided to do some fitness competitions, which was fine at the time, but it created more obsession around food. And the one thing that I lost and the thing that kind of brought me back into balance was my love of food. I'm like, I don't want to eat like this anymore. I don't want to eat just chicken breast and steamed broccoli and rice. I want food that has flavor. And I want to get back into teaching people about food that had flavor. Um, and yeah. that was kind of my, that was my gateway back into balanced eating. So there's a lot in between there. Um, but that's sort of my story of how I became a chef and where my focus on healthy eating and healthy cooking comes from. Um, and over the last couple of years, I started teaching online cooking classes during the pandemic. I was teaching some local cooking classes. I used to live in Rhode Island. I live in Florida now. Um, so I was teaching live cooking class or in-person cooking classes there. I started teaching online cooking classes during the pandemic. Um, and I recently opened a membership where I share recipes and I, I teach as well um, lots of cooking skills and just ways to really simplify the process of cooking and making your food really flavorful without overcomplicating it. So I told yes. you it was going to oh be kind of long. <laughs> yes. I, I love this so much though, because um, there's so many things in here that we could talk about in so many different directions we could go. And so I'm trying to um, not be too selfish and I'm trying to keep, keep this group at at the forefront of my thought as I'm asking you these questions. But um, I absolutely have Italy Tuscany, like, I, I have that on my bucket list. Like, that is one of my vacations so that I am, <laughs> like, I was I was this close to doing a study abroad um, in Italy when I was in college, and because I was a nutrition major, um, it would have helped me get, like, a minor in kind of, 
my school didn't have a culinary program at the time, and it does now, which I'm like, oh, I wish I'd have had that. <laughs> um, but I, I always said, like, okay, if if I ever change my mind from nutrition or if I don't get a dietetic internship program, that's going to be my sign, like, I'm going to either culinary mm. or pastry school because <laughs> I love to bake and all of that. So I love how, number one, like, you got into this interest in culinary arts starting almost from a place of, like, that disordered mindset. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to cook these vegetarian foods. And at the same time, you didn't have family that was used to that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're kind of one of the first hands-on, like, love cooking kind of people in your family. And um, and I've seen I've seen your daughter sometimes with you on uh, some of your, like, Instagram reels. <laughs> so it sounds like you're passing that love on as well. Um, but I love that it was your interest and really love of cooking and food that really helped bring you out of that sort of disordered mindset and anxiety around food. And that's something that I hear so many of my clients and students struggling with because they're like, they'll either, I know I work with a lot of college students too, um, individually. And so many of them are like, well, I want to cook, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm, Or I live in a dorm and I have limited access. Um, and I know that's a season of life. I've, Mm -hmm. I've lived it. I've been there, done that, but for, for so many of the ladies that I work with and probably so many of our, our podcast listeners and students in my group, they get really confused or nervous about, you know, wanting, wanting to be able to cook and say like, hey, I want to include, I don't want to totally disregard nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to consider that, but I also don't want it to become diety. Because yeah. so often I'm encouraging them and challenging them to, to battle these fears that they have around food. So that might look like adding foods in that don't feel so safe in, mm-hmm. in their current, you know, stage of recovery. Um, so many of them struggle with a variety of fear foods. So if they have a belief around carbohydrates, this is not something new for most people in diet culture today. Like there's a lot of fears and a lot of misconceptions around carbohydrate sources of food, right? And so I'll have clients that say, okay, well, I'm going to, I want to have bread, right? I've, I've been restricting it and I want to incorporate it, but I'm terrified it's going to, you know, turn into a binge or I'm terrified if I have it, I'm going to have a lot of it and not feel well afterwards. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a stage, sometimes that's a part of the process, but I would love to hear from you. Um, and I may kind of skip around a little bit here, but when, when someone is coming to you for some help or assistance, whether it's with a, you know, learning how to cook something or, or if they say, Hey, Chris, like, I want to learn how to incorporate some more of those nutritious and delicious, you know, foods, right? They want to include some of the fun stuff, but they also want to add in some of those nutrient-dense components. Where do you start with somebody who says, I know I want to challenge these fear foods, but I also still want to feel really good afterwards. Like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to have that carb coma, right? Or feel like I just ate a lot of one thing. Um, so, so yeah, how would how do you start approaching that when someone says, like, how do I balance these things out? Mm, oh my gosh, such a good question. And I have a couple answers to this. I think I have one in terms of like adding in those nutrient-dense foods and one in terms of like challenging those fear foods. Um, so I am someone who had many iterations of disordered eating and one phase of my disordered eating was binging. And everyone is unique in their own journey and this is not meant to be medical advice in any way, shape or form. Um, or counseling or anything like that. But one of the things that I know helped me and one of the things that I know helps a lot of the people that I talk to is leading with satisfaction. So leading with like, what would be the most satisfying way to enjoy this food? And so rather than that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna try this bread. I'm going to, and I'm scared that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and eat the entire loaf of bread if I eat this one piece of bread. So I'm thinking in my head about, and bread was a fear food for me for a long time Mm -hmm. because carbs and, you know, we thought that we, a lot of us thought that carbs were bad for a long time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, well, we need a balance of all types of foods, right? And so I'm thinking of one of my favorite types of bread is sourdough. I love sourdough bread. But so what I would think of in terms of challenging sourdough bread, if you're like, oh, I would love to incorporate sourdough bread, but I'm not sure 
how I would do that without, you know, eating the whole loaf of sourdough bread, what would be the most satisfying way for you to enjoy that sourdough bread? What are some of the ways that you can add to that to make it really delicious? So a couple ways that I'm thinking of is, would you rather eat it just as that plain hunk of sourdough bread? Maybe you do. Maybe you wanna have that sourdough bread alongside your favorite soup or stew that's steaming and hot. It's the winter time now, and so it's a little bit chilly. Do you want to be dipping that into your soup? Do you want it slathered with a good amount of butter because butter is gonna make it so much more tasty to you? Do you wanna drizzle it with olive oil and toast it in a pan and then add some flaky sea salt to the top? Do you maybe wanna take Yum. that piece of sourdough bread? And so simple, right? It doesn't have to be yeah. complicated. Do we wanna take that toasted piece of bread and maybe mash up some avocado on the top? Maybe a little bit of that flaky sea salt or maybe you like some red pepper flakes on the top or a little drizzle of sriracha. Maybe you want to add something more satisfying and turn it into a meal and put an egg on top of that. And then you have yourself a little mini meal there. You've got some healthy fats, you've got some protein, you've got, some, you've got your carbs there too. So what would be the most satisfying way for you to introduce that. And so this is where I think about some of the different elements of flavor. If you're new to cooking and you're new to flavors, I think this is one of the things that we just don't get taught. So I mentioned that my mom did not grow up cooking and like my mom listens to my podcast, my mom knows what I do, so she doesn't feel <laughs> doesn't feel bad for me, you know, at this point. We we've discussed this. Right. Like she didn't grow up teaching me anything about cooking or really cooking food that was delicious at all. We kind of joke about some of the very bland foods that she made us growing up. One of the things I, that I remember, and this is a good example for this, is so my dad always had this beautiful garden. And my dad actually does cook on occasion. My dad's actually a pretty good cook. He worked at a restaurant um, for a few years, but he never cooked at home for us. Now he does a little bit more, um, but he has this beautiful garden. He loves to garden. So one of the best parts of my childhood was that we always had these really great fresh vegetables. My mom had no idea how to prepare them in a way that was delicious. So he would have all this zucchini in the summertime. So she would just take that beautiful garden zucchini, slice it up and boil it until it was mush and mix it oh, no. with like the leanest ground turkey you can get that she would saute up in a pan. And when I say saute, like she was not doing that with oil. She was doing that with water because you couldn't, it was the nineties. Oh. So we could not have any fat <laughs> in the nineties. Um, we have, fat, we have fat now. We have lots of fat is fat yeah. provides flavor. Um, but in the nineties <laughs> yes. we didn't. And so she would pair that like the mushy zucchini with the plain, basically unseasoned. I don't even know if she put any salt on it. <laughs> turkey and she would serve that to us and my and sometimes she would serve it on top of rice minute rice and my sister and I would complain and she'd be like eat it like you need to eat your vegetables you have to eat <laughs> and so there were so many things missing from that that same meal could actually be turned into something really delicious if we understood a little bit more about flavor so zucchini is a water-rich vegetable. We'll go a little bit deep into cooking right now and then we'll, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back a little bit more simple. But just Perfect. for instance, um, zucchini is a water-rich vegetable. So water-rich vegetables, and you don't need to know all this right away, um, they do much better when they are sauteed or roasted because it helps to release some of that water instead of making them mushy. So if my mom were to put some good quality olive oil or avocado oil in the pan, slice up that zucchini, add it to the pan, add some salt that will draw out some of that moisture. It'll get that really nice crisp, that little bit of caramelization on the zucchini. Maybe she adds a little bit of garlic to that. So you have that really nice texture to the zucchini. Mm -hmm. And then she paired it with that ground turkey. You could still use the ground turkey, but you wanna season that really well. You season it while the turkey is still raw so that that salt starts to infuse into that. And then whatever delicious spices you want to put in there, you could turn it into turkey burgers, super easy, just mixing in some egg and some breadcrumbs, maybe some Italian seasoning, some garlic, mix that up, cook that in a pan. You can serve that with a bun or you can serve it with some rice. Complete change in the meal. So the same yes. ingredients could turn into a really delicious, really flavorful meal. It's just about understanding a little bit about flavor. So there are five tastes, right? So five flavors, five tastes. So we have
sweet, salty, bitter, sour, and umami. I don't know. I teach this all the time, and I'm always like, what's the fifth one? <laughs> so we all know sweet. <laughs> that right? one's sweet. my favorite. Yes. Umami is like, <laughs> oh you're going to have to explain. Yeah. I, I So I did a little bit of culinary classes. In, I think I took like three culinary classes in high school, which really piqued my yeah. interest in it. And I always thought, that is the strangest word. But when yes. you think about what it is, it just it just fits for some reason. It so, does. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> No, it does. So umami is, well, I'll explain umami, then I'll explain the other ones really briefly. So the goal with flavors is that there's a variety of them within a dish and that they're balanced within a dish. We don't want any one flavor to stand out so much that it overpowers everything else. So imagine a dish that's so spicy, you can't even taste it. Now, spicy isn't one of the five flavors, but it is one of the foundations of flavor. Talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, But umami is that, so umami is a Japanese term, and I can't even tell you exactly what it translates to, but it reminds me of that French term that like je ne sais quoi, the, I don't know what that is, but it's savory. So it is that savory flavor. So everyone knows MSG, right? MSG is basically straight umami. That's why our taste buds find and foods, foods with MSG in it appealing because it's basically straight umami. But you can all, you don't have to get umami from MSG. You can get umami from hard cheeses, from tomatoes, especially concentrated tomato paste. You can get it from soy sauce. You can get it from meat. So there's a lot of different places that you can get this robust, savory flavor from. If you feel like your dish is missing something, it's usually umami or acid. It's usually one or the other because we want to balance things out. So if it feels a little bit too much mm-hmm. of something, it's usually one or of those. So we have umami, we have salty, we have sweet, we have bitter, we have sour. So we have these different tastes and not every meal, the meal that I just mentioned, it doesn't really have a lot of sweet in it unless we maybe put some sort of like a sweet aioli or something like that. Maybe a sriracha aioli that's got a little bit of sweet, a little bit of spicy, a little bit of creamy on top of those turkey burgers. You don't necessarily need every single one of those tastes at every single meal, but again, you want more than one of them. You want there to be, you want the dish to feel more well-rounded. So understanding the different tastes, and I have a handout that you guys are gonna get Um, And we'll link to it if you're listening to this later too, because I know that um, if you're listening to this later or you're not, you're listening to it and you're not watching, um, you can't see what I'm doing. But basically I have a flavor wheel that I love to share with the people that I work with. And it kind of shows you what balances what. So what flavors balance another. So many of us know that something like a spicy food, we'll bring it back to spicy food because most of us can understand the feeling of something being very spicy. Something that's very spicy, it's a little bit difficult to balance out, but we know something cooling will balance out spicy. On the flavor wheel, we can understand that something that is salty will help to balance out something that is overly sweet. So if you think of chocolate and sea salt, the same thing with sweet and sour. Sweet balances out sour, so think of lemonade. So if you start Mm -hmm. to understand how the different flavors balance each other out, it can make a world of difference in your food because the goal of a food or of a dish that's really satisfying is to have both variety and contrast in it. So the same thing goes when it comes to adding nutrition to our meals, right? So we want to have a variety of different ingredients. Um, So there's so much more that I can say in terms of the flavors and what we can talk about the uh, flavor foundations in a little bit, but I want to kind of bring it back to when it comes to, to answer the other part of your question, um, when it comes to (laughs) adding in those nutrient dense foods, because as you can tell, I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. (laughs) But when it comes to those nutrient dense foods, I'm really all about starting with that satisfaction. So what would be the most satisfying way to enjoy, say, this piece of bread? So are we going to turn it into avocado toast? Are we going to make it into garlic bread that goes alongside a soup? Are we going to enjoy it slowly with maybe some sort of a spread on it, maybe a little bit of pesto? What would be the most satisfying way 
to enjoy that. And I find that the more satisfying something is, the less likely we are to overdo it because we're satisfied by it. And some of that is just understanding, okay, how do we balance out the flavors in this? And it does not need to be complicated. A lot of it is experimentation. What do you enjoy together? What do you notice when you add the red pepper flakes on top of that? When you add a squeeze of lemon juice on top of your avocado? What do you start to notice? How do you like the bread toasted with the avocado on top versus just soft with the avocado on top? So uh, I prefer it toasted because you have a little bit of crispy crunchiness to it, which is adding some contrast to the creamy avocado where you might not mind that. You might rather have something crispy on the top of that. And then when it comes to adding in those nutrient-dense foods, we can simply go, okay, how can I then add to this? So we've already made this the most satisfying way that you can think of right now. This might change, right? One day you might want that sourdough toast topped with Nutella and banana, something a little bit more sweet, okay? Oh, Nutella and strawberries, so good. Now I'm thinking of Nutella. So, so good. I ate so much Nutella in Italy. <laughs> I didn't know they had it in Italy. I yes, feel like yeah. um, I first did get exposure to Nutella in Europe as a kid. Yeah. Um, I, fun fact, like we had a foreign exchange student when I was super young. Cool. And my family and I went um, from Belgium. And so we That's went back so and cool. visited when I was like five, six years old. And that was the first time I experienced Nutella. And we constantly have it in our oh pantry gosh. here. Like so if we're out of <laughs> Nutella, our kids are like, what? Where is it? So yes, peanut butter, Nutella, all the things. Yeah, well, there's so many different ways. Think even just that one piece of bread, there's so many different ways we can go. Do I want sweet? Do I want salty? Do I want savory? Do I want it to be a snack or do I want it to be a full meal? So if we want to turn it into a full meal, how can we take that piece of toast with the Nutella and the strawberries, if we want that kind of that sweet toast, how can we take that and how can we turn it into a full meal? So how can we maybe add in some protein to increase that satisfaction, that physical satisfaction, right? Because we have our perceived mm -hmm. satisfaction, right? This is satisfying because it's as delicious as it can be. But then there's that physical mm -hmm. satisfaction. We need to have those balance of nutrients, right? So maybe you serve it up with a beautiful salad on the side. Maybe it's like a light brunch type meal, right? And you have the toast and you have a salad on the side. So you have some vegetables and then maybe you have some hard cooked eggs or some chicken on top, something like that, just to add in that protein. And the same thing with any of our other meals, right? So if we're using carbs for the, for an example, pasta is one of my favorite foods. Bringing it back mm -hmm. to Italy again. I love pasta, yes. but pasta is one of those foods. I feel like it's really easy to eat a lot of pasta because it's so tasty. And then to be hungry like a half an hour later, because you're like, well, I filled my stomach now, but now I'm not full anymore <laughs> because, right, you know, right. it, now it went through, it went through my system and now, now I'm starving again. So how can we take that pasta? How can we enjoy it in the most satisfying way possible. So would you would you like a red sauce? Would you like a pesto? That's usually my preference. Would you like a cream sauce? Maybe a carbonara, which is made with egg yolks and pancetta and oh, it's in Parmesan. It's delicious. So it's creamy, but it's not made with cream. Um, so what kind of pasta? Maybe you want an oil-based sauce. So what kind of pasta sounds really satisfying? And how can we bring in some of that balance there? So how can we bring in some protein. How can we bring in some vegetables? I know that I'm going to link you guys some recipes, um, but I have a recipe that I shared with the, uh, with my cooking club. Um, it's an arecchiette recipe. That's actually a spin on a recipe that I ate. I don't think it was when I lived in Italy. It was when I traveled a separate time to Italy, but it's an arecchiette. Usually they serve it. With, and so arecchiette, if you don't know, is, um, I'm not saying it correctly. I'm not saying it with an Italian <laughs> accent, but it's ear pasta. There are these cool little, my kids love them. Um, and I, know, I know not all of you have kids, but um, there are these little pastas with like a little divot in them. And so they look like little tiny ears and they're just the perfect pasta for like a pesto or an oil-based sauce because they sort of hold that little bit of sauce in them. They're super tasty. And oftentimes they'll make an arecchiette with sausage and broccoli rabe, which is a little bit harder to find and can be a little bit um, more finicky to work with. So instead, and it can be, expensive as well. So I took a spin on that and I was like, so let's add in some sausage. And so you can do chicken sausage, you could do a pork sausage, whatever sausage feels good for you. Um, and saute that up with some, I believe it's shallots, a little bit of shallots, 
um, some olive oil, and then I roast up the broccoli and toss that in there. So I've got the protein, we've got that beautiful pasta, we've got that sauce. The sauce is just made with the olive oil, Parmesan, and lemon juice, so very simple. We toss in that roasted broccoli, you have the chewiness from the pasta and that crispiness from the roasted broccoli um, and the savory umami flavor from the sausage, and it all works so well together. And it's so much more satisfying than just a bowl of pasta. And there's nothing wrong with a bowl of pasta from time to time, but it's nice to be able to bring in that satisfaction. So we can bring in that taste satisfaction, and then we can also bring in that physical satisfaction and that nutrition in there as well. So I was rambled on a yes. lot about lots of different no, <laughs> I, I love that. So I'm I'm just going to like summarize a couple of things that I heard you say in this because yeah. um, whether you guys are here live or you're listening later, like back back it up and listen to it again because Chris I know you pointed out like one of the one of the biggest ways to really include those challenge foods like include those foods that maybe make you feel a little anxious now for a variety of reasons it may not just be a fear of binging it could be a, a million different things so make it as satisfying as possible we we talk about this in the joyful eater live on a regular basis about how do we really improve satisfaction and we've got a couple of different um like challenges or exercises that i've given the girls and that they have in their modules to really test and experiment like you said it's kind of this not trial and error but experimentation process to see Mm -hmm. what do you actually like and what feels satisfying like from that perceived standpoint right like what's most enjoyable and flavorful for you um and so yes working on that satisfaction factor piece of things but also not ignoring the physical satiety side of things too, mm-hmm. right? Because we want to feel physically satisfied. I know for me, at least, I have a much more enjoyable experience with food if afterwards I still feel good, right? Mm-hmm. And so yes. yeah. similar, um, this was not like a gourmet pasta by any means, but like we had we had um, spinach and ricotta ravioli a couple of mm-hmm. nights ago. And I, you, you get some of the protein on the inside from from the ricotta, um, but overall, I typically feel not fully satisfied afterwards if I only make the pasta with, you know, like a jar of red sauce or something, right? <laughs> so we did something similar in the sense of, I love that you use the term add, like what can you add to it? Mm-hmm. Because so often when we think about nutrition, um, whether it's general nutrition, dieting, whatever it might be, when we're trying to kind of get away from that side of things, when you look at food and when you look at nutrition from an addition standpoint versus subtraction, so not going, well, what do I need to cut out? And just going, what do I have that's satisfying and what can I add to it that's missing? Um, You mentioned like the broccoli, right? Or the broccoli rob or something else. Um, And we did the same thing. So like similar example, I looked at the pasta and went, okay, we have something warm. We've got a little protein, a little fat, a little carbohydrate, no color, right? So I think we mm. added in spinach to ours, and I love pesto. Um, my kids, pretty much any food that has green in it, they're like, this is the Hulk version of whatever, yes. right? So we have, like, <laughs> their favorite. They love to have, like, Hulk grilled cheese, and it's like, I, I won't go into detail today. I could go off on that, but, it, you know, pesto, and we usually add a little layer of guacamole and some, mm. you know, some creamy spinach. And so you add in the color, or you say, okay, well, what's – you know, what's missing. Maybe it's a textural something. I'm a huge fan of textural variety in food. So like, as soon as you said, we had this like really soft, mushy zucchini and this really sort of dry turkey, I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, if I have to eat like soggy cereal or mushy vegetables, I'm like, no, thank you. Right. But nutrition can absolutely be delicious when you know how to prepare it. So you talked about satisfaction you talked about from a, a satisfaction and nutrition standpoint, being aware of flavor, being aware of texture, um, temperature, right? So you you talked a little bit about having like something spicy. I know that's not on the kind of the five point, um, is it types of flavor? Did I say that correctly? Yes, yeah, so the five um, like tastes. The yeah. Sweet, sour, bitter. Yes, the five tastes. Thank you. Um, but still balancing out something spicy, whether it's like heat hot spicy or I guess you've got two forms of hot right like hot temperature yes, and then hot yep. spicy yeah. so like balancing out something spicy with something cooling so yes. give us maybe an example there because I have tons of clients that say hey I love I love spicy food How, what are some ways I can enjoy 
spicy food in maybe a more nutrient dense way. So could you give us maybe an example or two of how do we, what are some good examples of pairing some of those kind of complementary um, tastes or those complementary, I guess, different components of food or flavor? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned the five tastes, right? So we've a sweet, salty, bitter, sour, umami. Um, And that is just one of the three foundations of flavor. So the first foundation is taste. And so that's having that variety and contrast in taste. And again, we don't need every taste in a meal, but we want more than one. And then there's texture, which you mentioned, right? We don't want everything to be the same texture, like the, you know, mushy, zucchini and turkey that my mom used to serve or the example I usually give is like imagine a piece of like poached chicken or poached fish which it's a very French thing to do like you know fish on papillot or a piece of poached fish which can be absolutely delicious when prepared right but usually it's served with like crisp fresh vegetables or you know and something else on the side maybe some crusty bread versus like you know, potatoes and mushy peas, think like mashed potatoes, mushy peas, and steamed <laughs> fish is like just not appealing. Does it have your basic nutrients? Does it have your carbs? Does it have your veggies? Does it have your, it might, may or may not have a little bit of fat, depends on what type of fish you're choosing. Does it have some protein? Yeah, so it like, it's basically balanced, but it's not balanced in terms of flavor <laughs> um, or in terms of texture, right? And then yeah. there's, um, so that's, that's, there's taste, there's texture, and then there's temperature. So just like you said, there is physical temperature. So there's hot and cold that we feel. So the dish might be hot and we could add something a little bit cooling to the top of that. So it can be something like um, a hot, I want to use something that's not spicy or not too spicy. Well, let's use the example of chili, which might be a little bit spicy, but usually it's not like, depending on the type of chili, it's not like fire hot spicy, right? So it's got spices Mm -hmm. in it, but it's not necessarily spicy. If you add something like a cooling sour cream on top or some sort of an herb that has a cooling effect to it. So like cilantro or mint, you might not want to add mint on chili, Um, but cilantro (laughs) is delicious on top or like green Mm -hmm. onions. These uh, fresh, herbs or these fresh toppings even cheese that can have that can have that um either physical coolness to them that can contrast like the very hot soup or stew or chili or the perceived coolness like you're mentioning as well so something like a very spicy curry dish for instance so a lot of different cultures will naturally do this in their cooking so they'll pair a spicy dish with like a cucumber raita which is like a yogurt sauce it's a cooling cucumber saucer or they'll have a mango lassi on the side which is like a, a yogurt mango smoothie So, and that's not necessarily in the same dish. We might not do that all together, but you can have that, those cooling, like a, um, a cooling, that mint and cucumber sauce or that yogurt or that sour cream to kind of counteract that, that perceived spiciness too. So there's physical hot and physical cold, and then there's perceived spicy, and then there's perceived cool. So something like an acid, like uh, lime juice or lemon juice can also help to counteract that spicy a little bit too, where something like salt would enhance that, right? So that's kind of understanding too. Adding salt to your, you know, chili if it's too spicy is not gonna, it's not gonna do it. There's actually not a ton. <laughs> I mean, when it's really, really spicy, the best thing that you can do is add in a little bit of acid. So add in some lime juice. Um, maybe water it down if you need to a little bit if it's something that can handle that i mean don't add water to a cream sauce that won't that won't work out in your favor um because water and oil don't mix um so that will separate but um you can always go ahead and so you can water it down or you can add something cooling to it so you can add the sour cream or the yogurt or you can have a glass of milk or almond milk on the side <laughs> to kind of counteract that too. So understanding those flavor foundations, so the taste, texture, and temperature can help us to balance out our foods in a variety of different ways and create more of that satisfaction. Because I mean, I like spicy food, but I also don't want it to burn my face off either. So if I have spicy food, I usually like to have it with the, I'm thinking of like nachos. My husband and I did that for a date night a couple weeks ago. We had nachos and they had these pickled jalapenos on the top that were so good. But I kept putting like lime juice and dipping it in sour cream, which I mean, made it even more satisfying, but it kind of counteracted that, that spiciness too. So does that answer your question? Yeah. 
Yes, yes. I love this. And I feel like we could talk through this forever because <laughs> I'm probably not as big a foodie as you because I don't have nearly the level of education as you do when it comes to food. But I, I love exploring new flavors, new textures. And you mentioned this too, like the combination, whether it's flavors and textures combined in one dish or like complementary, like two or three different foods just at the same meal, yes, right? Like yeah. even separate foods can complement one another and increase that level of satisfaction. And yes. so I feel like this has been so helpful. I can just hear the questions coming from students and probably from listeners too, if they're listening to this later um, about, I, I want to learn how to do this. Um, what's a great next step? So Chris, I would love if you would just take a minute, tell us a little bit more. I know you told us at the beginning some of what, what you do and the types of services and offers that you provide. But if somebody's just like, no idea what I'm doing. Um, all my family cooks bland or I'm in college and I have access to a microwave, but I still want to learn. Um, what's maybe one simple action step somebody could take after, you know, being here live today or listening to this later to help them just start learning at least the foundations of maybe some basic cooking skills or basics of flavoring or another, I know and this is we didn't quite get on this topic today, but I hear food safety a lot. Like, yeah. I'm terrified to cook meat because mm-hmm. I don't know how to get it to the, you know, does it have to be a specific temperature? Do I have to cut it open every time to check and see if it's pink? Um, so what, what's a great next step for somebody where they can just start maybe learning some of those basics if they say, hey, I want to I enjoy my food more. I want to make it more satisfying. And I also want to, you know, consider general nutrition in the process. Oh, can I give three steps? (laughs) Of course, of course. Okay, well, there's two things I want everyone who's listening to do over the next week. The first thing is I want you to get in the kitchen and just cook something because you will become a better cook the more you spend time in the kitchen, not just standing there looking around feeling overwhelmed but find a recipe that sounds really delicious and really satisfying. The I learned a ton in culinary school, but like I said, it was only a year long program. So I learned the basics in culinary school, but beyond that, what I have learned is from doing, it's from cooking, it's from working as a personal chef, it's from, from working in professional restaurants, but more than that, because you do not need to work in a professional restaurant or as a personal chef to learn how to cook, it's cooking at home. It's trying new recipes. It's trying new cuisines um, and just getting your hands dirty in the kitchen. So number one, if you never interact with me ever again, totally cool. I want you to get in the kitchen and cook. The second thing I want you to do is try something new that you've never tried before. Even if you don't end up liking it. If you have never had Nutella, please let it be Nutella as long as you're not allergic to hazelnut. Um, <laughs> try Nutella. So it's it's worth it, I promise. Um, it's delicious. Um, so try something new. So the again, just like cooking, just like doing, trying new foods and experimenting. Maybe take yourself out to lunch for, at a new place you've never been to before. This doesn't have to be expensive. It can be, we have this awesome little tiny Middle Eastern place. Actually, it's a Greek place, um, but it reminded me of a lot of the Middle Eastern places I would go to with my grandpa growing up. It's like right up the street from our house. It's like five minutes away and we hadn't been to it. And we went to this Greek festival about 40 minutes from our house and we're in line to get these amazing, these amazing looking sandwiches. And we look and the sign is from that tiny little place that's five minutes from, not even five minutes, a five minute walk from my house. And we're like, We drove 40 minutes and we could have just gone over there. And you guys, it's some of the best gyro I've ever had in my life. So try something new this week. So number one, get in the kitchen. Number two, just try something new. If it's as simple as picking up a little tiny Nutella at the grocery store and trying that, trying new flavors, expanding your palate will help you to not only overcome those fear foods, but just become a better cook, which will help you in your journey to eating more foods that are satisfying and and also nourishing because I believe that they go together. Um, And in terms of resources, so I have a podcast. It's called the Healthy Mama Kitchen Podcast, and I have lots of short and sweet episodes over there. Um, I have some cooking basics episodes that teach some of the basics of cooking. If you're someone who likes to listen, I would love to have you over there. Um, So it's just Healthy Mama Kitchen, wherever you get podcasts. Um, And I also have a free five-day email series called Cooking School. I created it a couple years ago, and I go over the basics of knife skills and basics of flavor, some of the stuff that I shared with you today. I go over different cooking methods, so moist heat cooking methods versus dry heat. So I mentioned 
boiling mm. the zucchini versus sauteing the zucchini and how you can kind of get that outcome you want. So if you're someone who likes more of the visual, that's a video-based course. So I'll give you the link for that as well. Um, you can always find me over on Instagram at Healthy Mama Chris as well and connect with me over there. Um, and I'm always happy to answer your questions. It's me in my DMs. So if you send me a message, um, I'm happy to answer any of your, your cooking questions as well. And I've got recipes on my website, HealthyMamaChris.com, but I'll send you a couple of recipes as well. So you can include those um, in your group or in the show yeah. notes too. So. Yes. Well, absolutely do both. And I will vouch um, for Chris's recipes because we make them on a pretty regular basis. There's a handful um, that I've pulled from your website that my kids, like, they they down it. Um, Oh, that's my favorite. I I will see them. It is, it's, it's so fun because, you know, as a, as a dietitian, but as a non-diet dietitian, I think people are like, oh, well, you know, non-diet just means eat whatever you want, whenever you want, with no regard to nutrition. Um, And so I love this conversation today where we've talked about how do we challenge those food fears by really looking for how do we we make food more satisfying? And part of that can be the nutritional aspect of it. And so I love, yes, you have tons of great recipes that do both um, and that kids will love too. I know not everybody on here listening is is a parent, but good across the board. So um, thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. Um, We're going to take a minute and yes, you're welcome. We're going to answer some questions from our live participants. Um, So if you're listening to the podcast, thank you again for listening in this week. Um, And until next week, friend, may you be filled with joy and abound in hope. Odds are, if you're hearing my voice right now, you might be a Christian woman who feels like food and nutrition are too complicated and that you'll have to struggle with negative body image for the rest of your life. And this podcast is here to help with that. On this show, I'm going to be sharing everything I know and continue to learn about how to cultivate a joy-filled and peaceful relationship with food in your body. But let's face it, it would take me years to share that kind of knowledge and strategy with you here through our free weekly episodes. And the thing is... Food freedom can be a really isolating process when you try to go it alone. So if you've been wanting to add some fuel to the fire on your path to food and body peace so that you can start seeing more confidence and improved physical and mental health now, I invite you to consider joining the Joy-Filled Eater live. This is the high-touch coaching program that I've created to educate and coach Christian women like you, and it's how dozens of women have stopped hating their bodies or looking to the scale for validation. Through this program, you'll get the blueprint and step-by-step process that you need to reach your food and body freedom goals, along with the accountability required to light a fire under you to implement what you've been learning and take some much-needed action. You'll also get live coaching from me personally every single week. Plus, when you join, you get immediate access to on-demand and live bonus trainings from therapists, Christian authors and speakers, strength coaches, and others so that you can better approach your physical and mental wellness holistically. You'll also join a community of other Christian women who are already eating more intuitively and are ready to help you do the same. So yes, you can absolutely rely on the episodes of this free podcast to help you ditch diet culture and start seeing some results on your own food freedom journey. Or you can fast track your path to freedom and do it in a way that's much more enjoyable and that will help you to be full of confidence as you take your next steps. So if you're ready to commit to getting rid of food rules and not letting the scale dictate the trajectory of your day, then click the link in the show notes and fill out an application and you'll be on your way to joining the Joy-Filled Eater Live. I'll see you inside the program.